Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey kids, along with our usual obscenity warning, this episode has content warnings for violent death. Please listen responsibly. Hello, welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Brittany. And I'm Goodwin. And today, we're reading Chapter 9 of Battle Magic. So grab your cup of coffee. Or tea. Or your drink of choice. And let, and let the bloodletting begin. Let the let let letting begin. <laughs> Briar and Rosethorn and Evie figure out that their smelly beggar is... Parahan! No! I was shocked. I Not gonna lie. I had a feeling it was him, because why else would we be talking so much about this beggar? Just this random dude. Mm. I'm not going to lie. I was shocked that neither of you predicted that it was Parahan in the last episode. I I straight up thought he, like, fucked off. Just straight up left. Yeah. Or he got caught and was currently being tortured. Which could have also been possible. Yeah. Yeah. Shocked, I say. Shocked. But they invite him to join their camp find out that like he's kind of circled around and is like traveling back into Yanjing because he's like who's going to be looking for me here they're not going to expect me to be going into the country they're going to expect me to be leaving so and then they all kind of keep going the same direction together and there is discussion about like kind of how they're going to fight because they're sure that they're going to run into somebody who they're going to have to fight and sort of strategizing getting to the border then they get to the border, and this is where the bloodletting begins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they get stopped by some guards, kill them. Briar, like, just kind of lets like a whole carpet of vines grow and like sort of close up behind them, and they're like, "Uh, so much for stealth." And him and Rose sort of both like, "Fuck stealth." We were tired of hiding anyway. 
Step one of our three-step reading process is reading like a novice. This is where we talk about what we liked and didn't like about the chapter. I kind of feel like Goodwin should start because this chapter is bloody. It is, and I, I have mostly positive things and just one like one little nitpick. Let's see. We're just doing is the, the nitpick whole... is that uh, they use kid in this chapter. No, I was gonna. I was gonna I mention knew it, it but showed up somewhere you. in this book. <laughs> Like now we know that Tamara Pierce wrote this book. Yep. Yeah, this one 100%. was not ghostwritten. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, the one little nitpick was during the fight. Everything was pretty clear except for what Evie was doing. I get that she threw later it was a piece of like the round thing of granite. But um the initial attack when she like attacked the uh the crossbowman. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand what the discs did. It just says that they like covered their eyes to protect their eyes, but she didn't really explain what exactly it did. And later on, when the discs show up again, when uh, she shoots the archers inside the house, um, hits them with the discs of flint, it says one gets hit in the chest and the other one gets hit in the throat, but it doesn't explain what happens. It's just like... Yeah. Was it like a non-lethal hit? Did they just get whacked? Was it? Oh no! I completely killed? took that as they, they die, killed by them. After I did, but like in oh, okay. the moment yeah. of reading, yeah, I was like, same. I was like, did that guy just die? Yeah, are they or dead? Like, and then uh, later on, they're like, oh yeah, we don't want to leave anyone alive. I'm like, oh okay, they're dead. Yeah, and you know, one was embedded in his neck, and the other one was like picking at it. It cut into them. I, I'm kind of spoiled because a lot of the fiction that I read that involves, like, I'm just going to, like, say medieval hand-to-hand combat projectiles that, like, not guns, essentially, is a little more in-depth with the descriptions of what happens, which, you know, if you're squeamish, you wouldn't want to read anyways, but for me, I love it. I, I like the gory details. I like knowing what happens, but I understand this is also, like, essentially a, a, a children's book. Yeah. a little older because it's like the 13th in the series but you know we do get a man get his head chopped off which you know you don't need a ton of details for that but i was like you know what what, what is actually what, what are these attacks doing that was the one nitpick i had other than that it was great i assumed that the guys died because before the head got chopped off so i was like and then it said oh he got hit in the neck and the chest so i was like i'm not 100 percent sure if these people died but their friend just got their head chopped off, so uh, no heart, no bars held. However, no that holds goes. barred. Yeah, that's the one. No holds barred. So people be dying now. So uh, I had a feeling they died because uh, their friend lost their head. But I wasn't one hundred percent sure until later on. They're like, oh yeah, we don't want to leave anyone alive. Uh, oh okay, yeah, people are dead. I definitely felt it like turned into that, but initially, you know, you're like Briar's like, I'm gonna use the not thorny ones. Yeah. The not thorny seed bones. Because, because... Grosthorn wouldn't want me to kill these people, and then guy loses his head. I'm like, mm, I guess we are killing people now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Violence has been chosen. Yes. Well, I noticed there's a part where I don't remember if it's like Rosethorn specifically tells him like don't kill people or if he's just kind of ruminating on it and he's like I wonder if she said the same thing to Parahan and I kind of get the impression that she didn't and it's sort of like the way he says that kind of implies that but I also feel like this is 
showing her love for Briar and that she is not as close to Parahan because I feel like she doesn't want him to kill people because she doesn't want him to turn into that. Kind of like we see with Triss and Shatterglass and she says he deserves to die and Nico says, but do you deserve to kill him? Um, Rose Thorne, like Briar has seen a lot of the world, but Rose Thorne has seen things he hasn't. And I can see her like wanting to protect him from becoming a killer and having to deal with killing people. And 100%. Yeah. She doesn't have that worry about Parahan. It is also kind of a different, like, I'll say like a different situation and what is very clearly like self-defense. Like, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do, but like Mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. Obviously she doesn't want him to do that if he absolutely doesn't need to. Yeah. I loved it when uh, Parahan like finally joins the group and he's like, Rosorn, you probably shouldn't have brought these kids here. She's like, rubs her temple with her fingers and goes, you have my permission to send them back. <laughs> you can do it. You could try. <laughs> and then he just looks at Briar and Evie and he's like, ah, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> like, clearly it wasn't going to work. Parahan's line right after that. And we should get to sleep. It's always better to go to war if you've had proper sleep. I feel like that goes for a lot of things. Yeah, get, get, yeah get not your, just war. <laughs> yeah, get your sleep. Is, is very important. When Parahan is uh, talking to Evie and it's like, are those traitor spells on your cats? And Evie's like, oh, the traitors will, will cook you and eat you if you tell. Repeating an old lie about traitor habits. I, I guess traitors, for one reason or another, people think they'll eat humans. I Probably a racism thing. Uh, or, you know, just discrimi- discriminatory. But she's like, you know, it's... it's... And then Parahan says that he's old and stringy. Which I swear I've read somewhere before. I don't think it was in this book, but I know I've heard like an old person refer like in oh, it was actually my favorite book series that I was just rereading. Uh, in the first book or second book actually, uh, in the Emberverse series, there's a lot of cannibals around for a reason I can't get into. It is a long story but society has collapsed. And one of the dudes is like an old doctor and he's like, hey, yeah, don't cook me. I'm old and stringy. You're not going to like it. It's it's, it's <laughs> pretty common retort to threaten to, after being threatened to be eaten when you're old. I don't taste good. <laughs> I, I just want to say it is like peak writing having these four together. Their dialogue is so fun. Mm-hmm. They're all sassy and funny, and they get along, <laughs> and it's great. The whole conversation um, immediately after that, where Rose Sword is talking about, like, can't you tell when fate bites you? Like, the gods would have found another path for us to enter into this mess. And Evie and Parahan both say no at the same time. They're like, no, I, I can't feel that. <laughs> and then Briar explaining that, yeah, Rose Sword has to talk that way. Sorry, guys. She took religious <laughs> vows and everything. She has to. <laughs> I think we talked about this with Shatterglass and Magic Steps it's really nice when you have that like really heavy subject matter to have the like really snarky witty banter between Mm -hmm. the characters Um, because Pasco and Sandry and then Triss and Keth both both of those sets were also just hilarious Mm -hmm. and so it's 
the same thing here where we have this incredibly dark and gritty and <laughs> heavy story and and we we get these amazing light moments of just hey, this is like i feel tamra pierce's like best work is her dialogue between characters like this feels yeah. like a conversation between friends that we know mm-hmm you know, we've been through with these characters through so many books. We know, ex- like, it, it's so good. It feels good reading it, and she does yeah. such a great job. Mm-hmm. When Parahan asks Evie and Briar, what do you guys have for weapons? Like, what, what are you doing? And Briar, you know, shows off the seed balls, and he's like, that's scary. I don't like that. And then Evie's like, ooh, ooh, you want to see what I have? And he's like, no. <laughs> What's really funny is Parahan's like, that could kill a guy. And I'm like, mm, it has. <laughs> mm-hmm. It yeah. definitely has. So um you're not wrong. I think Briar's also like, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, exactly, man. Like uh we're we're going to war. You think we're just uh he said it's we, we don't just carry him for toys. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then Evie just starts casually earthbending. <laughs> and and Rosewood has to be like, Evie. Don't do that. I'm sorry, like, oh. Parahan. I didn't mean to scare you, but you think I'm a kid, so I had to show off. Exactly. <laughs> That's such a kid thing to do, but like Jesus. It's such a tough thing to do. It mm-hmm. is. It is. It so is. You underestimate Parahan... me, so I'm going to show you. Parahan <laughs> had no idea. Everyone else in Yangjing kind of has no idea just how powerful they are. It's crazy, which I'll get into later talking about fucking crossbows. I'm just going to skip a couple of the other ones I had and get to that point. <laughs> um, I had a lot, but this part is so wild to me, and it kind of leads into the fact that mages are in the military science like theater of learning uh, a force multiplier. Their abilities in the context of martial fighting in hand-to-hand, like, I guess you could say late medieval period, because there's, like, gunpowder also. Their ability to handle plants, which is, what, 90, uh, let's say 80% of, like, weapons that are hand-to-hand fighting are made out of, or involve wood, one person can have such a huge effect on a fight. It's It's like a machine gun, like, set up correctly. Like, it is just, it multiplies the power of this group an immense amount. Because we see the the people the, at the guardhouse fight, uh, the crossbowmen have their bolts start to sprout leaves, which if you know anything about crossbows, their bolts have to be kind of aerodynamic. You know, they're basically short, stubby arrows, but like they're flung at high speeds. And if they start growing twigs and leaves, they're going to start, they're going to start going just kind of all over the fucking place. There's no accuracy to be had, which is like. They don't even have to turn them into trees. No, yeah, they, and just, they don't like, only have one of those people that can do it. They have two in their group. That they can have do that, two. So. It's insane. You can't do shit. What are you gonna do when your spear starts sprouting like leaves in your like? You, you, <laughs> what the fuck are you supposed to do? You can't do shit. Well, it, this is the same conversation we had at the end of the Will of the Empress when Daja like heats up everybody's armor. Just yeah, like, <laughs> stripping your enemy of armor is such a huge thing in a fight. If one side has armor and the other one doesn't, and you have to beat each other with sticks to do it, the ones without armor are going to get fucked. Like, no armor, and then you have people that can 
mess with your weapons to make them sprout leaves. Like you are majorly fucked. Yeah. I think I actually wrote this on the following chapter, but uh, it applies here. Uh, everyone wants to, Triss to do battle magic. Like we see that in the Will of the Empress, so everybody's pressuring her to do battle magic. That's what they want her for. But goddamn, all four of these kids mm-hmm. have can do battle magic. Yeah. Baronine had a point. She, mm-hmm. she, she had a fucking point. She knew exactly. Like I, I know, but that's because I'm a fucking. I'm, I'm with. I guess people who jerk themselves off to weapons are they're called hoplophiles. Like you know, they 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 like hearing about weapons and stuff and guns. I'm kind of one of those. Knowing what I know about medieval combat, each and each one, like they can essentially make an entire army useless. Maybe not kill them all outright, but if you have someone that can like heat up weapons and armor, they can't wear that. Someone that can stop like siege engines, like like the uh, the wood that they use in the construction of it and the stones that they use. Even Evie could stop like the rocks in the trebuchet or make them explode on the like the amount of power that they wield for fighting or defense for an entire country is enormous. Like mm-hmm. I I can't. Yeah, and that's not even getting into Triss, like being able to control yeah. weather. And, like, and don't forget the shit that Sandry pulls in that book. Yeah, yeah. She no, literally like, makes her clothing turn against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, y- unless you're wearing like all leather, you're fucked. Yeah, everything uses thread. Like you can even make like cloaks that can make you nigh invisible. Like it, it, these kids are essentially like I won't say nuclear weapons, but they're they're so incredibly strong in this. And not even not even just for like fighting, but even like Triss can control the weather. You know, she shouldn't control rainstorms, but if you're suffering a drought, hey, get some rain from over there and bring it over here. Like, they're so incredibly powerful and useful for the sort of late medieval period. Like, they they are, like I said, a force multiplier for anyone that has the ability to, to, to use them. Yeah, I've been feeling so strongly about this, like, throughout the entire <laughs> series, but, like, we yeah. don't get to see that super in use until, like, now. Mm-hmm. I think it's really a shame, though, that like people want Trist to do battle magic because I think there's so much else that she can do with weather magic. And I mean, things like we see in the Will of the Empress where she brings the ship in out of the storm, moving rainstorms to help with drought. And but also like, a, yeah, a larger scale for traveling like ships like, uh, yeah, but also attending to even just like attending to, oh, this is what the weather is going to be like and having like much more accurate weather forecasts and being able to prepare for that. That'll help you with harvest. That'll help you when, when to take the grain in. That'll, that'll help you like Mm -hmm. when to get plants down. Like it's. And what she does (sighs) with like the bridge, like she can help fortify fortify towns to better survive things like earthquakes and, and stuff. Um, And she could, figure out oh this is a place that where the ground is very stable this is a place like my high school was planted on a place where it was like sinking so like this is a place where maybe we shouldn't build houses you know like it's yeah even for infrastructure like it's such a huge uh, dodge being able to make like higher quality alloys for weapons it's mind-boggling how strong they would be for like any country to have um and we're seeing it here is particularly for fighting and for battle magic like it uh i like that parent like parahan just straight up cut a dude's head off like after like 
I, I don't, I'm not going to say I liked it, but like it was, it's giving us a taste of just how like violent the book's going to be, which is, uh, it's going to be rough. What? What did you say, Molly? This is why I suggested you go first. <laughs> Thank you. And also, I, I just have to add the the one liner at the very end that was, "Let's teach Wei Shu to keep his greedy hands to himself." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Loved, it. Loved it. Loved it. Do you uh, want to go, Brittany, or do you want me to go, or is, or do you have more, Goodwin? No, that's all I got. Okay. If I keep going, I'll take up the entire hour. You're gonna Natalie in their absence. No, it's fine. Okay, I did like the part where they did hide all the bodies and stuff using the vines because that will keep people from knowing exactly what happened for a longer period of time. Yeah, That's but they're planning. definitely gonna know. Mm, I want to put all those vines there. Mm, I don't yeah. know. Oh, it couldn't possibly be those two plant mages that we had here with us. Oh. They'll no. totally, they will totally know that, but the period of time between the people seeing like in the village, going to the guardhouse and saying, like, oh, hey, look, a bunch of dead bodies. Let's go report this. Or being, mm-hmm. oh, look at all these weird vines. What's going on here? And then chopping yeah. through them and getting it and then seeing a body. That's a couple of hours right. at least. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just and good. That's a good point because, like, Weishu and, like, the higher-ups and stuff might put two and two together with Briar and Rosethorn. But, like, random peasants who are living in the area? No less clue. likely. Yeah. I mean, that's Let's just, you know, give them more time to make their escape without being chased. This is good planning. Good, Let's good mention it's hard to thinking. follow them. Like, you have to chop through the vines to follow them also. Yeah. So my first one is when they are going through the path. Briar thinks to himself that Evie would have no cause to complain because they are traveling down a gorge through the highest mountains in the world. So Evie gets to see the mountains. She's been complaining about the mountains. She gets to see the mountains. So finally, God, finally, one less thing for her to complain about. (laughs) Oh, she will find something else to complain. about. She's going to find something else to complain about. I'm sure. (laughs) But that's one less thing as of right now. I liked how they talked about how you can make yourself have the appearance of a blind eye. By putting an eggshell in your eye? I thought that was crazy. I bet that's a real thing. I bet yeah. it is, too. So it's, it's not the eggshell. It is oh, the egg lining. lining. Yeah, it is the lining inside the eggshell. So, like, the soft... If you've so ever peeled like an egg... almost. Yeah, yeah. If you've ever peeled, like, a hard-boiled egg and you get the shell off and then there's that, like, mm-hmm. little layer on top yeah. of the egg. Yeah, that makes like more sense. That so like, part. eggshell would hurt. Yeah, ooh, ooh, that ooh. makes more sense. Okay, yeah. so like, ooh, that sounds very painful. But... A little crunchy when you blink, you know, just <laughs> crunch, crunch. <laughs> oh, that'd be horrible. That's a good way to get yourself actually blind. I feel. Yeah, <laughs> makes more sense because I was imagining him putting like the white eggshell in his eye. Like, ooh, oh no, that sounds awful. That sounds very painful. Lighting makes way more sense. Yeah, yeah. He said it made him uh, get goosebumps to watch him put it in his eyes. So I wonder how he would feel about contacts. Not, <laughs> not. He good. probably would not like that very much. I uh, want the modern AU of this, where one of the girls wears contacts 
And it's just like, oh, God. Why? I feel like we have to give a... Triss. Yeah, Triss. Triss has to yeah. have a... Triss yeah. wears contacts, and Briar's, like, mm-hmm. watching her put them in, and looks like... He's like, ooh! <laughs> my kids watch me put my contacts in, and they're like, ooh, Mommy, you're touching your eyeballs. I'm like, I'm not technically touching my eyeballs. Like, there's a contact in the way. But, yes, I am... Still kind of poking at them. <laughs> like that's weird my next one is was a dislike because when i first started reading this Perhan starts taking off all his beggar stuff and i was like you probably shouldn't be doing that you're still traveling you're gonna give yourself away but then i got to the end of the chapter and i was like oh well they've given themselves away already with all the vines and killing and stuff so i guess it doesn't really matter that he took all his beggar stuff off so it was this like, and then it just turned like, oh, well, I guess it doesn't matter now. So now, now that he's in a in a group, like mm-hmm. it, it's less less important, I guess. With three mages, three mages behind him, yeah, two and a half maybe. But Evie's well, not. Ouch, Evie. Yeah, she's not uh, fully what what's the word licensed or ac- certified? Accredited. <laughs> yeah. Accredited. That's the word. <laughs> what's the word? Yeah, she doesn't have her her. What was that? The what? What was her name for a couple chapters ago? She was like the little half the thing. Cartwheel of metal. Cartwheel. She doesn't. Yeah, Evie doesn't have her cartwheel of metal yet. So, yeah, not yet. but yes, I'll admit that saying two and a half mages was a little bit like uh, being like, we have four really powerful people or three really powerful people and Sokka. Yeah. <laughs> Sokka's uh, listen. He he's arguably the most important character. I'm just saying. We you gotta have you gotta have the funny guy. You gotta have you gotta have the comedic <laughs> relief. My next like was when Parahan's practicing with his staff or his spear. He keeps twirling it. As the firelight sparked off the blade, it gave him the appearance of wings because he's spinning it so fast on each side. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was That's really awesome, cool description. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Also foreshadowing. Is he gonna die? Oh, I'm sure. I feel like he's going to. <laughs> I think he's going to die. He's gonna die. All right. What chapter is this again? Nine. Yes. Okay. Um, Not I... quite a new record for calling a character death as is. Uh... Yeah, of course. The last record for calling it turned out to be inaccurate. Yeah. yeah. So this this might be a new record, actually. I feel like he's gonna die because was it this chapter or the previous chapter that Evie says if you feel like you're gonna get captured, kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's probably he's might gonna kill gonna himself happen. before he gets captured. Oof. But she tells him that, but they also get captured, which I'm glad they don't kill themselves. We know they don't because of nothing. She's still so. alive, yeah. Either that He's or somebody brings them back from death again. So, <laughs> Nothing's mean, off the table at this point. That's true. Um, so Other than I, permadeath for our three heroes. I want to add something real quick. Um, Go ahead. Normally in a book series where like they'd go back in time and like you know they're not gonna die, it takes a lot of like the um tension away. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it has not gone away yet. It has not gone away in this. Like book. I know that they're gonna be fine, but at the same time, like, ooh, what what what's gonna happen? Fine physically. Mentally, mentally, no, not fine at all. (laughs) It's gonna be bad, yeah. And it's like waiting for that shoe to drop to see how bad it's gonna be. Is because 
both Briar and Evie are definitely way messed up from this. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. My next like is when they're all going into like a cuddle puddle, basically, <laughs> to keep Rose Thorn warm. They're all wiggling together to keep warm, and all the kitties are getting on top of them too to find that was uh, so fun. I like the fact that it specifies that the cats wait until everybody else is in their place and then like, okay, now. And then they squeeze in. They just turn into liquid and fill in all the gaps. <laughs> and cats too. <laughs> and before they all fall asleep, they are telling Parahan about how Rosethorn died. Oh, yeah. And Parahan's like, that's a story, right? And uh, Rosethorn's <laughs> like, no, I did actually die. No, she says, it's not. I nearly died of the blue pox. Uh, no, bitch, you died. You fucking died. <laughs> so, Well, I think here when she says I nearly died, she means she means permadeath. Yeah. But at first she was like, I was ill six years ago. So that's why I have uh, trouble breathing and stuff. And Abby cuts her off and is like, no, she died. <laughs> she died. Died. She did. She just wasn't <laughs> sick six years ago. She died. I love how excited Evie is to tell this story too. Because right? Rosethorn's like, yeah, I got sick. And then Evie's like, she died. Omfg. Fairhouse <laughs> like, no, she didn't. And Rosethorn's like, yeah, I did. And then Briar's over there now. like, why are you talking about this? I try to keep this a secret for you. You don't have to tell everyone all our business. <laughs> My next leg is that they all slept really good, and Parahan's only complaint in the morning was that monster snored. Snoring cats. Ugh. It's so funny. My next leg is when they get to the guard area, and uh, Parahan's like, uh, could you lower your crossbows? My wife is in the family way, and they're making her nervous. And Rose Thorn's like, you rogue. Uh, how could you be joking like this right now? And he's like, if not a time like this, when? Oh, great. I love it. I like the description of when Evie's throwing her um, weapons and saying, Evie pitched the ball at the fresh arrivals as if she played at nine pins. She is bowling these people down. Mm-hmm. Great. It's so great. Bowling for soldiers. Mm-hmm. My next one is a dislike when they find the drawings of them. Like, oh, these are fugitives. Now, we knew Parahan was already like a fugitive, but uh, now also Evie, Rosethorn, and Briar are as well. Yeah, they they know. Yeah, so that's not good. So I feel like them seeing this is why they were like, you know what? We can go ahead and put these vines in this. We're, we're already on the run anyway. So they already At know that, that point, we're against yeah. them. So why not cover up our tracks a little bit more, even if it's going to give it us away? Because they already know. My next like is when um, Farhan's like, oh, I know that the women helped us fight, but are they going to be all squeamish? Do we need to take a break? And then they go outside and Rose was like, I'm ready to go. Come on, let's go. And Brian's like, see, she's calm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was ready to go. 
Briar kept a key eye on the people around them, knowing that Evie was too busy looking at stones beside the road. And I just they're in the mountain. Yeah, she's like a rock. Look, Briar, a rock. Look, another rock. And he's like, Yeah, we see them everywhere. (laughs) But these are ones in the mountains. They're different rocks. Um, we kind of already talked about this, but I I like Parahan's strategy of, oh, I'm going to head west because that's the direction they won't expect me to go. Pretty smart. On page 148, just because we have magic doesn't mean we can fly. Um, it's kind of a shame that none of them knows at this point that Triss basically can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I would love... Just, just because we have magic doesn't mean we can fly. Yeah, that's that's my sister's job. <laughs> just because we have magic doesn't mean we can fly, Evie told the, him scornfully. And even if we could talk through plants or stones, there's no one in Yangshi who could hear us. Roselorn raised a finger in admonishment. That we know of. Evie rolled her eyes. Yes, teacher. I have to be precise, teacher. That we know of. And even if we could, Rosethorn swore vows, so she has to go help and we'll be Yujian dung if we uh, if we let her go without us. <laughs> and to which Parahan says, Do I want to know what those are? And Briar immediately responds, No, not with it being night and all. <laughs> so this is really good dialogue. Um Okay, so this is like when they're strategizing. Paraham says, Now, I need to ask, how are you three fixed if it comes to a fight? Evie, stay back with the animals. Rosethorn, and then Briar says, What part of mage did you not understand? And this is where they show him the weapons. With, You could kill a man with that. We don't carry them for toys. Don't be so upset. I only let a couple of the seeds grow. Want to see what I have? No. No, I don't think so. <laughs> the 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 change between Evie, you stay back with the animals, and I, I you know I don't want to see what you're what you're working with. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, on page one fifty six, two of the seated warriors rose and took up halberds that leaned against the guardhouse. The other two gathered quivers and crossbows that had been on the ground next to their feet, slinging the quivers onto their backs before they stood to set a quarrel in their crossbows. I just really like the phrase set a quarrel in their crossbows. It feels almost like it's technical language, but I don't think it is. I think it's just... Is it? (sighs) So... That's a good one question. I wonder if she used the word quarrel. So quarrel and bolt are like the same thing. They're just... I think one's... Quarrel is French, bolt is something else. So uh, but is technical language. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, but I wonder if she used it as like a precursor because quarrel also means like you know a, a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Some see, way. that's what I thought because I was like, oh, it's. But I like it, it. She probably purposely used it as a double entendre, like, oh, this is literally yes the bolt that you're putting in but also you're setting the fight you're beginning a fight that is what i think too because she uses bolt afterwards if i remember mm-hmm. correctly so it's like yeah they they both work they're both the right term but quarrel you know since the fight's about to start makes sense yeah. which is good good writing good good yeah. job chamber pierce we we like you page 162 parahan uses the phrase beetle dung i just have to point out all the swears and then, like, they find the wanted posters, and I'm just really curious as to when 
Emperor Wei Shu first released the wanted posters. Because yeah, I thought that was a little fast. Uh, for Parahan, yes. It didn't seem that fast. But for the other three, that was a little fast. It, it also makes me wonder, like, how... I know we've gotten, like, timelines for how fast they're kind of traveling a little bit. But, like, has it been just a couple of days? Or is there a longer period of time? Because if 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 this country is similar to our world's geography, China's kind of a really big place. So getting information from like one end to like one of the northwestern borders is a long distance. And like, how mm-hmm. do you how do you get? Oh, Parahan escaped. Okay, send that out. And then Parahan had help to escape. Oh, how long did it take him to figure that out? And then get that information and disseminate it to all the other border regions or did they focus on this one because it was closer i don't know but it does like it was very quick to get all these sheets printed out with their info and names and stuff so yeah and to get it there before them when they're already traveling as well so yeah i don't know if they're using carrier pigeons or horses or what but yeah it's (laughs) I mean, they did have to travel a little bit slower considering they were with a group of people. Because I know once they left the group, they said they were able to move a little bit faster. Yeah, I could definitely see them traveling in the group, making them slower for sure. But Mm -hmm. yeah, kudos. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Part two of our three-step reading process is reading like a dedicate. This is where we look for a theme or a message in the chapter. I didn't find one. What about you guys? I didn't either. Mine See, is... I was just going to be like, <laughs> battle, conflict, blood. But I didn't write anything down. Good win. It's all you. Yeah, it was just strategy. Strategy was the theme I found because they do a lot I of strategizing. Think, yeah. They do a lot of strategizing. And then they do, they do the strategy and... It worked out. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
They have, like, the whole, like, why don't you attack at night? We're plant mages, you absolute goof. Like, yeah, I meant to bring that up, and I forgot. Mm -hmm. um, He's so only half-flying. We, we do kind of need that, but also, I died. <laughs> yeah, also, I don't know, snarkery. Flirting with Rosethorn. That was, that was, like, so funny. I think that was, was probably the so funniest funny. moment. Oh yeah. Of the entire the entire chapter was like she's pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very funny. Part three of our three step reading process is reading like a mage. This is where we use the text to craft magic in our own lives. What magic were you able to craft out of this chapter? I have two, so I'll let y'all go first. Mine is from where Parahan is asking, why don't we attack at night? And Briar's giving them reason, telling them, no, we can't do that. And uh, Parahan isn't liking the answers, but Briar's thinking to himself, he wasn't going to let Parahan bully them into trying something that Rose Thorn or them couldn't do. What I want to pull from that is, don't let people bully you into things that you're not comfortable with, even if you think that it would be easier to just let them do it. That way you don't cause any conflict or anything like that. Sometimes you got to stand your ground, uh, even if it's complicated. People will walk over you if you let Don't let them. Mm -hmm. Stand up ground. Stand up for yourself, for sure. Yeah. So the one that I found was literally the one I was quoting a little bit ago. Rosethorn and Parahan, he's like, your endearments make me yearn for our nights together, my sweetest. And then Rosethorn says, you know, starts turning red and it's like, how can you joke at a time like this? Like, they're literally about to get into like a huge fight, life and death. And he says, like, if not at a time like this, when? And like, it's so true. Sometimes you just gotta fucking crack jokes, like, even if mm -hmm. you're like in a super sad situation. About to get a little personal. My wife was sick pretty much all last year. With cancer, it was bad, but her treatment has been working out. Just got scans a few days ago, and uh, about a week ago, but uh, they look good. And her doctor thinks, yeah, her, her doctor thinks that her cancer is pretty much all gone. She'll have to stay on treatment for the rest of her life. Yeah, it's it's amazing news. I feel like I can breathe again. Yeah, it's it's been a whirlwind eight months since her diagnosis and like mm. hearing this news that like she's gonna be okay is amazing but throughout the entire time i had to crack jokes i had to make fun of her when she got her hair cut we did like we i started singing uh nothing compares to you by uh how do you pronounce her name sinead o'connor Mm -hmm. she cut her she shaved her hair off and i was like nothing like and, and she laughed and i laughed it wasn't in mean spirit but like you have to make jokes you have to joke about it we were making jokes to each other i'm like i'm so glad that when you shaved your head it wasn't all wrinkly i thought you were gonna have like a wrinkly scalp and i <laughs> thought it was gonna be awful and i'm like no your hair is your scalp is totally fine it's not wrinkly it's not weird because, you know, it sucks getting your hair all cut off. Like, she had to do it because it was more comfortable that way. Because it was starting to fall out and it was, like, super annoying. So it was, like, you know, the decision was, you know, shave it off. And, like, it, I don't think that was, like, 
a super hard thing for her to do, but you still have to, you know, you have to joke about it. You have to, you have to joke about it, even when it's like something serious, because if you don't laugh about it, what's, what's your other option? Cry, be sad, be depressed. And that doesn't help you at all. Like, obviously some jokes should, you know, you can't joke about every single thing, but like you, 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 I know her, she knows me. When I make jokes like that, she gets it, and like it makes her feel better because that, that's kind of the whole basis for our relationship is just kind of being funny and like making each other laugh. So I just like made a goal to make her laugh all the time, and I still do it. It was really helpful for us during that hard hard period of time. That was actually one of mine. I'm gonna uh, add to it a little bit. There's this kind of famous poster now, I think. Um, cause I've seen it in a lot of different, like slight variations on it, poster, t-shirt in different places, and, but it's like a list of religions and, and they all have a variation on shit happens. And so it's like, this is, this is like the philosophy of this religion or whatever, you know? So, um, I'm trying to think of some of them, um, like Catholicism is like, if shit happens, I deserve it because of like Catholic guilt, and uh, there's like there's like Jehovah's Witness, and it's like knock knock shit happens. <laughs> I've, I actually pulled up the uh, the thing if you want me to read some of it. Uh, yeah, if you want to like you can you can read a couple. One of my favorites. I have a big poster in my bathroom, appropriately, that a friend of mine <laughs> got me in college with all of these, and it goes far beyond. Uh, it starts with religions, and then it has a whole bunch more. One of my favorites is Satanism, which is shit happens spelled backwards. Um, <laughs> I just want to say the Judaism one real quick. This is no. This is what my point was. <laughs> okay. This is this is where I'm getting to. So the the Judaism one is. Why does shit always happen to us? When I first got this poster, I got this poster in college and I had my friend Julian, who is Jewish, and he saw that and he was like, yes, that's perfect. This is the thing. Jews historically have just had shit happen to them over and over and over. And the way they have responded is with humor. And so like, um, I recently heard an interview on a podcast called Unorthodox with a woman who has ALS and she was talking about how she's in a group with other people who have ALS. Like one of the ways that they handle it is like dark humor. The interviewer who is Jewish was like, that's a very Jewish way to handle that because we also just dark humor because that's how you handle when shit just keeps happening over and over and over the only way you can handle it yeah my second one which goodwin mentioned earlier is it's always better to go to war if you've had proper sleep and as goodwin said earlier yeah that applies to just about everything Mm -hmm. um and this is like i uh like i have the shirt that says ifs make your head hurt and i feel like i need one with this too like or on a poster or something it's just really good advice we like to end our episodes with an excerpt from the following chapter so this is an excerpt from chapter 10 of battle magic between more hills they went the green shoulders rising sharply on both sides of their group 
The biggest worry came when they reached a stream. It ran along the foot of a tall ridge on their right. They couldn't avoid a little splashing as the animals crossed. When they halted on the far side, there were no sounds of movement anywhere. Parahan crawled to the shoulder of the hill on their left to see if he could glimpse the road and the enemy. When he came back, he said they were now beyond the soldiers below. If their present trail kept on parallel to the road heading west, they might evade the Yangjingi soldiers completely. Roselorn and Briar weren't listening. Like the ponies and the mules, and even Parahan's horse, they had pointed their noses into the wind that came down from the north and over the stream. Bamboo, Rosethorn whispered. Seaweed. Vinegar. Briar frowned. Peony? Pomegranate, for certain. They turned their heads to stare uphill at the ridge. Parahan said a few things in his own language and drew his swords. Wait, Evie told him. She threw her magic up the slope and let it spread. When it spilled over the top of the ridge, Evie felt weight on the stones there, the kind of moving weight that said people to her. She shifted the rocks, straining to pull the bigger ones toward the edge. Someone above shouted. Briar knocked Evie down, still wiggling her hands, her power, and the rocks she looked around. Arrowheads lay on the dirt as long wooden splinters, the remains of their bolts, sprouted tendrils and leaves. Rosethorn smiled grimly and muttered, Try to catch me unawares, will you? Getting to his knees beside Evie, Briar glared at the ridge. As weeds and grass sprouted madly along the sloping ground, five people looked over the edge. Two wore black scholars' robes with the gold sashes of mages. Ropes of beads hung around their necks and in their hands. Two more were archers. The fifth was armed with a halberd. All five were struggling to keep their feet. The archers also did their best to fit fresh arrows to their crossbows. Evie yanked her hands up. Rocks flew into the air above the ridge. The archers dropped their bows as they covered their eyes with their hands. She tugged her hands forward. The mages had protected themselves from the airborne stones, but it was another matter to have the ground pull away from under their feet. They stumbled, trying to stay upright. Something was going wrong with the long strings of beads in their hands. They twisted together around the mages' wrists, binding them like rope. The loops of beads around each mage's neck spun swiftly, winding tighter and tighter, strangling the wearer. The mages struggled to pull their traitor necklaces away from their necks without success. Their faces got redder and redder as they fought to breathe. Evie gave all of the stones on the ridge one last savage pull. This time, it was the ponies and mules that saved her and her companions, hauling them away from the landslide by the reins looped around their arms as the entire ridge came down. They scrambled with the animals to retreat from the tumbling earth and rock. The stone of the ridge roared past them through a dip between the hills, dragging the Yanjingi mages with it. When everything settled but for a haze of dust, there was no sign of the warriors who had stood with them. The two mages lay on a heap of fallen rock where it had come to a halt. They were clearly dead. Hardcore. Fairhound, do you want to see what she can do? <laughs> <laughs> nope, not at all. <laughs> Reading Circle Temple is produced by us. Molly, Brittany, Indy, and Goodwin. If you like the show, tell your friends about us. If you don't like the show, tell your enemies. You can also help people find us by leaving a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Find all our episodes at our new home on ACAST, shows.acast.com slash Reading Circle Temple. Shake it us. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com. 
You can also follow Reading Circle Temple on Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook. And you can join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. To find us on Twitter, tweet at Reading Temple. A special thanks to Yellows for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their art by following Yellows for Happy Draws on Tumblr and Shannon and Draws on Instagram. Another special thanks to Brittany's brother, Thomas Dick, for our theme music. You can find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud. Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic, and thanks to you for listening. Let's all have coffee next week. Yeah, I am the fearless leader. Brittany is head of public relations. I'm very bad at it, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie is a chief Foley and a chief Foley artist, and Goodwin is uh, our research expert. I'll take it. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.